where we're going to go tonight. Um, you know, when you, <clears throat> when you do a conference, you, 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 you're trying to build because it's almost like you're, God's taking you through something, okay? So I definitely want the team ready because we'll, we'll move back into worship in a minute <clears throat> and just prophetic, whichever way God wants to go with it. You know, you plan things and, and you set things and then God does what he wants to do, doesn't he? And so this is what I want you to understand tonight. Even in this message, there'll be prophetic things that'll be released. Okay? I, I think it's funny that it didn't get taped. Because I had a word about it. You guys, I don't know if you know, but you got a new soundboard. Did y'all know that? And last night, you know, you could tell the sound was trying to be tweaked in the whole thing. And I just said, God, what's going on? He said, I'm tweaking their sound so I can give them a voice. You'll, you'll understand more about that in the morning with the message. I almost thought I was going to preach it tonight, but. We'll just kind of see where God wants us to go, okay? So I, I, I'm going to release some things up front and see if um, see what direction we go in this thing. I'm going to release some dreams to you. Had several dreams lately with me and Dutch Sheets. <clears throat> Dutch is a friend of mine, and we've done some things together. But I was having them so much, I was calling him and saying, "Look, I had another dream about you. I had another dream about you. I had a dream about him moving to Alabama, and, and he's moved to Alabama, and some things like that." But then I started realizing that Dutch was a representation of the government, because you know anything about Dutch? That's his passion. It, it's government. It's anointing on his life for it. And so in these dreams, I started realizing God was trying to get my attention about government. It's almost like sometimes prophetic people, we, we get more involved in government around an election. Then sometimes we kind of coast. And of course, I think so many of us was disappointed in what happened and not just presidential election, but just a lot of things. We're just fed up with things, okay? And um, and I think because so often our mindset and what we're looking to do is depending upon them. So you see this morning as we start going into some things and laying some stuff out, the legislated government is the church. Okay, if you... Didn't, if you wasn't here, you're not going to understand that the way you need to. But it's coming. It is the structure of government that God has set up to release the kingdom. What you have is when this freedom and this understanding starts coming, if you don't watch it, you have people going, well, I don't even need to go to church anymore. I can stay home and watch it on the Internet. The problem with that is you don't get connected in the family. 
You don't get connected in covenant. You don't get connected in relationship. And as Pastor Jared was talking about this morning, there's something called inheritance that you're not going to get any other way. Inheritance, about 75% of inheritance is passed down physically. Wealthy people pass their inheritance down to their children. Are y'all with me? That's why even in the African-American race, you don't see a lot of wealthy African-Americans. Why? They came out of slavery. Wealth is accumulated as it's passed down over generations. Okay? Same thing when you're thinking about the belief system of the church is passed down over generations. And that's why we're talking about sons and building families. Paul told Timothy this, that the spirit that I see in you is in your grandmother, is in your mother, and now it's in you. Are you with me? It's generational. And it's supposed to increase. So understand it's not just a physical family, but it's a spiritual family. The Jews understood this. That's why you have so many Jews that are wealthy. They understand firstborn. They understand double portion. They understand how to pass wealth down to their children. And they get it right out of the book. So when we're talking about sonship and we're building today and and talking about this whole thing, there is such a shift that is happening And it's different than what you think. It's bigger than what you see. And you have to realize it's it's about the land. It's about who's going to control Woodward. Who's going to control this area? Who's going to control Oklahoma? Who's going to control this nation? You see, the Muslims have a worldview, and their worldview is take over. That is their worldview. The church has had a worldview of get out. Are you with me? So we have been losing the battle, and they have been winning the battle. And understand, it is about land. So I want to go into some things and and share with you some things God's been stirring in me. Number one, he gave me a dream, and then I was at this conference, and Dutch said, I know you have a word, and so when you're ready, tell me, and I'm going to let you preach it. I said, okay. I said, I'm ready. And in the dream, the word was very, everybody knows this word. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. And in the dream, I was looking up the word want. And the word want means no lack. And no failure. Okay, but in the dream, it was if the Lord is your shepherd. See, a shepherd is not the one that feeds the sheep. A shepherd... Leads the sheep to be fed. Are are you understanding what I'm saying? 
See, what your pastor just did a while ago, or whatever title you, apostle, whatever, what, what he's saying is if he may not have a certain thing to feed you, but it's not his job just to feed you. It's just to make sure you get fed. See, if I preached in, in our church all the time, we're going to be out of balance because my heart's for the nations. But how many knows we need pastors set in that church that's going to help individuals? And uh, you understand what I'm saying? We need different giftings working in the body. And so in this, I know God was stirring this dream in me to start declaring and releasing. Why? Because the economy was going to go where it's going. People are freaking out. But if the Lord's your shepherd, he's going to make sure you get fed. He's going to make sure you have no lack. And he's going to make sure you do not fail. You don't have to be in fear if he's your shepherd. Now, what does that mean for him to be your shepherd? His rod and his... Okay. You know what a rod is? It prods you to stay on the right track. But sometimes it don't feel good when you get poked with it. But that's what the shepherd does. How are you getting off track? Get back over. And he's got a hook on the staff. And if you get away, he'll reach out and grab you by the neck and yank you back in there. I had another dream with him. And I was at a conference and we were sitting there. And the young people were doing what they were doing up here. Now, I know sometimes for us older folks, the music's a little different. (laughs) And I was watching in this thing, and I kept hearing, turn up the ground, turn up the ground. Well, immediately I knew what it meant. Just plow up your fallow heart. Turn up the ground. Repentance. Exposure. And it was the new generation that was bringing it, and they weren't bringing it the way we're used to bringing it. What does that mean? Church as normal was never meant to be normal. We've made it normal. We almost have such a normality that we know what's going to happen in the service. And we get very uncomfortable when we don't know what's going to happen. I'm actually the opposite now. I was showing them. I just got, got invited to a preach to a friend of mine. And when I go in, he hands me a paper. And it's 7 o'clock this and 7.05 this and 7.12 this and 7.14 this and 7.17 this. All the way down, I about freaked out. <laughs> if I could have got out, I would have left. Because I am, I am so turned inside out that I can't operate in that structure anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying you don't plan, but I've learned you plan to let God interrupt it because he's going to. If you'll give him an opportunity, he'll interrupt it. The problem is we're so planned out he can't get in. So he's turning up our ground. He. He's changing things. Now, I'm not saying you've got to always do that on Sunday morning, but I'm saying you're going to have to offer times for that to happen. I know we have lives. L- listen, I have children. I want to go to their track meets. I, I want to go and watch them. I-, I, can't, 
I, I can't have revival seven days a week. I don't want revival seven days a week in a building. I want it in here. And I can carry it everywhere I go. But see, we still have a mindset of how God's going to move. I'm telling you, it's not how he's going to move. And if you don't let go of that mindset, you're going to miss it. About two years ago, I was in Indiana, and I prophesied a shift to take place in that state. And I said, a sign to you when this happens will be an earthquake. They hadn't had an earthquake in that region in 175 years. In December of last year, they had an earthquake. They had scheduled me to come in in January. You think they were excited? It was electric when I went to Indiana. Those people were just... Now, a few months before that, I'm getting a lot of slack. Yeah, that prophet come in, prophesied an earthquake, and it ain't happening. You know, all this kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. See, prophets are so irrelevant. When, when they prophesy something, they don't believe it. And then when it happens, they forgot you prophesied it. <laughs> so if you find... If you find your identity in prophesying, you're going to be very upset. Because you'll be like, don't you remember? No, did you prophesy that? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so anyway, we, we go up there. Credible, credible services, man. I mean, just, I, I'm telling you, they're having revival uh, on, on the campuses. Uh, I'm, it's just incredible. I mean, what God is doing with them is just incredible. When I started going there, they had about 200. And, and I'm telling you, what's so crazy is it's, Every color, every race, and the harvest is in the young generation. I mean, they're tattooed out, ear, and I mean, they're just flooding in there. The last night, listen, Will was there. Where's Will? Willie. Willie was there. How, how long did you? Did I have you play? How long was it? Five, 45 hours? We prophesied over everybody in the building. Dummy. No, it's what God told me to do. Okay? And because you have to understand, God was having me father and release the father's blessing. But in the middle of that conference, God gave me a word that I prophesied. And he said, we're going from oil and wine to fire and water. So I prophesied. I thought, okay. Whatever that means. See, most of the time, we don't even know what we're prophesying. We're just a conduit. We just release it. People come and go, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, God said. So afterwards, they're going to take us out to eat on a Sunday morning. And they call this restaurant, and it's closed. They say, well, we'll have to take you over to this bar and grill restaurant. I said, well, I don't care. It's fine with me. We go over there. As soon as we pull up, huge sign in the window, fire and water. And the pastor goes, oh. <laughs> I just went, hmm. Now, listen, I'm doing this because i, I got to figure out where to go tonight, okay? So we get home, and God starts speaking some things, and I'm having dreams and encounters with God. There for a while, every Saturday night, I'm having an encounter with God. One night, in the middle of the night, I hear God, and I, all I can say was, to me, it felt audible because it woke me up, and this is what he said. Let God arise. 
and your enemies will be scattered. So the issue is not God arising. The issue is let him arise. Are, are you hearing me? I was messed up because I, I had taken a trip to Hawaii and ministered what, four, 17 times in 10 days, something like crazy amount of time. And, and we got attacked while we was over there. I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack one night. I woke Sheila up and said, look, you better die. I, something's wrong. Couldn't breathe. I was getting sick at the conference, and I was doing a Pentecostal conference, UPC, <clears throat> and I was bringing the sonship message. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's my roots. So I know what I was dealing with, that religious spirit, man, trying to choke me out. The two bishops were there were freaking out. I didn't know it. You know, I just do what I do. I went to prophesy over one of them, and I start to prophesy, and he just grabs my arm like that, you know. Most of the time I got my eyes shut, and I'm just like, well, this is intense. The guy told me later, he don't let anybody prophesy over him in public. I said, well, he shouldn't have got around me. <laughs> That's who I am. I mean, what, I can't keep from being who I am. <laughs> are are y'all understand what I'm saying? The other bishop was got on his knees and said, please prophesy over me. You, you see what's happening in the middle of denominations? There's choices that have to be made. So we get back, <clears throat> and, and so I, I can't. I'm having trouble functioning, so I, I take two Tylenol PMs one night. Y'all ever do that? Don't do that. Not, not NyQuil, not, not, not NyQuil things. Bad boys. But my, my sleep patterns are so messed up, so I take these things. Well, <clears throat> I got to get up the next morning and go to work, and I'm trying to get up. I mean, I'm, I'm just like, I'm there, but I ain't there, and I'm just pushing, trying to get up. And God says, this is the condition of the church. He said, it's not they don't want to get up, they can't get up. So strong on them, they can't come out of it. And I mean, it shook me. I mean, it got me out of it when he said that. I was like, whoa. And, but I felt compassion all of a sudden. Because, you know, sometimes we don't have much, sometimes I don't have much <laughs> compassion <laughs> when people don't have the same kind of passion that I do. Okay. All of a sudden, I started getting compassion. It wasn't that people didn't want to; they couldn't. They didn't know how. Are you Are you with me? So I knew God was going to start to use us to start to break off that thing. It's a smothering. It's a choking. It's a It's a no hope. It's It's vision being taken. It, it It's so many things that just steals the life out of people. Okay, And so we get back home, and, and I'm sharing some of these things, and I have a dream. Like I told you, I've been having them. And, and so this one was on a Monday night. I had this dream, and we have staff on Tuesday. So Terry was there, and, and, and Jeremiah, and, and, and Sheila, and some ones were, were talking. I said, look, I, I had a dream. And I said, this dream was June the 12th. I said, it's, it's the day our camp ends on. And in the dream, it, I'm in the dream, and God is telling me to write this thing down and to prophesy it. And I knew it was connected to Elijah, the spirit of Elijah. And I'd been teaching on sonship in the spirit of Elijah. 
Matter of fact, I've been teaching on the forerunner spirit because of you. Because the last time I was here, she prophesied over me, didn't even know it. And you know, that's why I got the vehicle I got, because of you. See, you have, you have to understand, everything that happens to me, it's not what I do, it's who I am. I'm trying to buy a whole different vehicle. And God said, I told you, you're a forerunner. I went, oh my gosh. Now that sounds weird to you guys, but that's, that's how he does me. And so then I start teaching on this whole thing about what I taught a little bit about the forerunner spirit with John the Baptist and Jesus. Okay, it's a forerunner spirit. Y'all might not like that, but guess what? It's what he's going to do with you here. So you you got a choice to make. And when you're a forerunner in that region, you're irrelevant at first because people don't see what you see. They don't hear what you're saying. They don't understand the kingdoms here. They're going, John the Baptist, who do you think you are? That's a carpenter's son. What's he doing? He can't do that. But they were forerunners declaring that they're coming into the kingdom, that sons are coming into the kingdom, that they're moving out of the law into the kingdom. I'm telling you, church is about to shift. And churches that don't shift are going to dry up. They, they're just going to become social networks. <laughs> That's what a lot of them are. They're just social networks. There's no legislative government coming through that church. There's no ecclesia governmental taking the land. We're not changing education and political systems with just having a service. <laughs> that was never meant, that was never what God meant the church to be. Are y'all with me? If you really want to know what the church is to be, just go back and look at Joshua. Take the, everywhere I go, your foot goes, take the That's a type and shadow of who we are. We're to take the land. Why? Whoever has the land is in charge. And I got news for you. This land don't belong to the enemy. It belongs to God. Adam gave it away. Second Adam got it back. Amen. So the second time I'm prophesying this, and he said, write it down. So I'm writing it down in the dream. I wake up. I can't remember what he told me right now. I'm so frustrated. My God, yeah, I know it's Elijah. I know it's a confrontation. You're telling me to write this down. What are you telling me? And I knew it was Mount Carmel. I knew it was a confrontation, but I didn't know what he was telling me to write down. So I'm telling our staff that morning. I said, listen, man, I had this dream. And God starts to remind me. While I'm telling, I don't tell them this. I act like I know what I'm doing. My wife kind of figures it out now. Sometimes she can, my daughters do too. They go, you got that right then, didn't you? I go, yeah. Because I act like I know what I'm doing, and as I'm going, the Holy Spirit. And I said, this is what he had me write down. How long will you have two opinions? Let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. So I'm telling my staff this. The phone rings. The secretary says, Richard Hogue's down here to see you. 
Richard Hogue has a big church in Oklahoma City. I said, Richard Hogue? The TBN guy? <laughs> like, yeah. I said, okay. So I go down there. He comes in my office. He said, look, we're, we're driving through. We see this church. He said, there got to be a kingdom church. Look like that. It says God's house. Got pillars out in front of it. He said, I had to come. He said, listen. He said, uh, we just had a prophet at our church. I freaked him out. I go, yeah, Sam Brassfield. He went, you know him? I go, mm-hmm. He goes, he just prophesied at our church that revival fires coming to Oklahoma. I said, yep, it sure is. He said, we're going through and asking churches that three days in June, the 10th, 11th, and 12th, to set aside for signs, miracles, and wonders because the fire of God's going to come. Coincidence? I said, you ain't going to believe this. I said, I had a dream about it last night. I was telling my staff 15 minutes before you called, come in here. I started telling him what I dreamed. Both the guys started bawling. Spirit of God come in the room. I'd start prophesying over both of them. Start declaring, okay? So I'm realizing God's serious about this. So we decide, look, God wants us to do some covert praying. Okay, you ever done that? Most of the time, I just let the intercessors do that, you know? But I knew I was supposed to go. So we go out on Terry's land, and they're out there praying. It's cold. And I'm standing out there going, oh, man, come on, let's pray. Let's go. Let's. Right? And all of a sudden, God speaks to me and says, go to Mount Carmel and prophesy how long you have two opinions. Let the God that, that answers by fire, let him be God. And I went, oh, my gosh, there's a Mount Carmel right down the road from us. It's in Canaan. And I said, guys, I, I, I got to go to Canaan. And they're like, what? I said, God told me to go prophesy this. So we go down to Canaan. Okay, we go to Mount Carmel Road. We find a gate at night. We went to the, there's actually a church there. Anyway, we back up, we get out, and, and I'm releasing this, and I'm just doing what God said. And I said, okay, God. I'm just telling you, whether you don't believe it, not, that's up to you, okay? I'm just telling you. I said, God, I know you're saying this, so I want a physical sign, let fire break out in the land. This is on Thursday night. The next day, fire broke out all over Oklahoma. I went back and looked after this started happening. Chuck Pierce come to our church and prophesied the fire. Greg Hood come to our church and prophesied the fire. See, y'all just think that it's just coincidence that this land's been catching on fire, and we're making national news that Oklahoma's been on fire. Not coincident. It is a sign of what God's bringing. It is a physical sign of the spiritual fire that's coming. I, I'm just telling you, He's serious about it. A couple weekends ago, I gave a prophetic word. The fire of God is coming and it's burning up everything that's dead. But the rain is coming. And whatever you don't let God burn up, the rain's going to cause it to grow. You better think about that one. So in other words, God has given us opportunity to let the fire burn in us and get out of us these patterns and these mindsets and these things that's been withholding us from moving into what God wants. So if you don't let him burn it out, when the rain comes, that thing's going to get worse because it's going to grow. 
This has never happened in, in my life. I've never seen it. One morning we go to, we go to uh, uh, staff. The whole town of Atoka is covered in smoke all day. The whole single day, the whole town is covered in smoke. The whole day. I mean, and, and I'm prophesying these things, and people in our church are calling me going, Oh, my God, God's serious about this, isn't he? And I said, yeah, he's serious about it. Why? Because when things are released spiritually, there's manifestations in the earth. In worship, I heard him say over Woodward, there's going to be justice in the storm. Storms are coming to to Woodward. But there's going to be justice in the storms. There's going to be exposure that's going to come to this region. That's part of our assignment of why we're here. There's some things that need to break forth from this portion of the state that will affect the whole state in education. But there's been a giant that has been mocking and holding those things. And God says, I'm going to deal with him. And not only are you going to see the storm, you're going to see the wind blow that skirt up and expose what has been hidden. So you have to understand, you are a legislative body. When you prophesy and decree something as sons... It actually shows God, there's a son I can release heaven into the earth to start judging and bringing justice to injustice. I hope y'all heard that. See, that's what church is supposed to be. Church is not supposed to be a meeting where you sing a few songs and hear a message and give an offering and go home. That's That's not what the church is set up to be. The church is the ecclesia. It's a governmental structure to legislate the kingdom of God through his people to affect the land, to extend the kingdom. Are y'all, are y'all here? See, you've got to start to see yourself of what you're called to be, what your authority is. How long? Will you have two opinions? Are you going to let God use the church the way he wants to use it? Or do you care more about what people are going to say about you? Because a forerunner has to make a decision. John the Baptist knew what he was dealing with. He knew what it would cost him. Because he was going against everything that looked like was right. Matter of fact, he's going against everything that God had set up. God set it up. So it makes it look like it's wrong. But when God gets ready to fulfill something and shift it, he always used somebody that will be radical enough to declare it and move into it before it's relevant for everybody else. That's what prophetic people do. 
Prophetic people see things into the future of what God is saying about the future. Grab a hold of it, pull it back, and speak it to you before you can see it. That's why so many prophetic words over people never get moved into. They can't see it. So they get this prophetic word and they go, oh man, they missed it. I don't know what in the world that means. They never position themselves to hear the word and go, okay, God. Paul said, told Timothy, fight the good fight of warfare with the prophecies given over you. We don't know how to honor the word. We just go, well, if that's God, it'll come to pass. If it's not, it won't. No, you're missing it. See, I got prophetic words years ago. I'd fly over the nations. You know, all these things that I would do in all these nations. I was a youth pastor making $183 a week. But you know what I did? I'd go to the church, and I'd say, God, you said. And I'd declare it over my life. And you know what? I'd go all over the nations. Are you with me? Now, let's just shift into this just for a few minutes. And the reason I need to go into this, because you have to understand, I'm not just preaching a message. I'm releasing into the atmosphere. See, what we're here to do is on assignment is to help you see different than you've ever seen before. Because if you don't see it, you can't be it. You cannot move into it if you don't see it. It's not going to happen. See, he sent the spies into the land and two could see. Two out of millions could see what God was saying. They didn't just send 12 spies in there. They sent 12 leaders, one leader from every tribe that that tribe trusted as their leader and sent them into the land. God said, go in there and see what it looks like. See if it's a good... Do you think God didn't know? (laughs) He's not looking for information. He wants to know, can you see what I see? Exactly what Pastor Jared was saying this morning. See, what God is asking you, can you see what he is saying for this nation? If you can't, you're going to sit on your couch and you're just going to gripe about the political world. You're going to gripe about where we're at. Why? Because you can't see. See, when people think it looks bad, prophetic people get excited. See, it's kind of like when the election, and I I called Dutch, and I said, hey, Obama's going to win. McCain ain't going to win. And he's driving across his state. He won't hear that. (laughs) Of course, no, you know, we felt like God had said some things. Well, God spoke to me about McCain. God had me go to Washington and prophesy that he'd win the Republican nomination when he was at the bottom. But he didn't say he's going to win president. So, I, listen, I prophesied this to our church. I didn't want to tell our church that I did that. Why? It's on tape. <laughs> I didn't want to tell them. So I'm telling you are the timing of God. I just wanted to go, God, why would you do that to me? I tell our church. Terry has a tape that she's going to show that night when I tell our church. It's a meeting down there with Chuck Pierce and Dutch and them. Okay? I prophesied this about what God told me about McCain. She was with me when we went up there. And I had people going, yeah, but McCain's it. I said, hey, he's not my choice. I like Fred Thompson. But I got to tell you what God's saying. And God gives me this whole rhyme about it. I mean, you can ask Terry. Her son was freaking out, Josh. Josh was like, I just don't understand. I said, I don't either. 
And it started off saying God is reminding you of the vow you made to God when you were in captivity, John McCain. I didn't know he was in captivity. One Sunday I was preaching, I just stepped off the platform and I said, you will go to Washington, D.C. in October, and I'm going with you, and so-and-so is going. People say, what are you going for? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I get on the plane, God starts speaking to me. Gives me a word, I'm going, uh-huh, uh-uh. So we had a meeting with Senator Coburn, and I handed it to Senator Coburn. I said, here, here, here's a word. Now, he knew I'd heard God because I'd heard God on the Myers lady for Supreme Court. Y'all remember that? I woke up one morning, and God said, she ain't the one. I go, what do you mean she ain't the one? He said, go turn on the TV. I turn on the TV. She's the nomination. I said, he said she ain't the one. Call Dr. Coburn. I go, uh-uh. So I called Josh. I said, Josh, I'm just telling you what God said. Josh said, but she's a Christian. I said, I'm just telling you what God said. I went to OAPN, and I told them, I said, she ain't the one. They go, yeah, but she's a Christian lady. I said, I'm telling you what God said. I don't know what else to do. In a moment of time, George Bush said, it's John Roberts. And not only did he become Supreme Court, he became Supreme Court Justice. But Coburn and another senator shut down the Myers lady. You say, why well, don't make sense? Listen, I don't choose it. See, everybody's like, oh, yeah, prophets, that's just so great. Sometimes you get words, you go, I don't want to do that. So Coburn already knew there was some things that God was doing, okay? So when we were up there and we gave him that word, Coburn's chief of staff, I said, who do you think is going to win the nomination? He said, Romney. And I said, mm-mm. He's Catholic. I said, McCain's going to win. He said, I ain't no way McCain's going to win. Do you know where he's? I said, I know what God said. He kind of looked at me. Good guy, man. Spent a lot of time with him when he was in Washington. And God was just confirming so much stuff when we were there. Okay? So when he, when I, when I tell our church about it, Terry has this tape of one of the meetings at Chuck Pierce's conference. And while they're having the meeting, was the, I think it was the Iowa caucus. Okay? And what's the guy's name? The preacher? He's on Fox News. Huckabee won the Iowa conference, the caucus. And Chuck and them were going, yay, he's one of us, he's one, he's, they're declaring it. And I had just told our church, and now they're watching it. And I'm sitting in the pew going, man, God, it's making me look real bad. He said, you wanted him to win it. I went, I did. Because he beat Romney. If Romney would have won it, he would have got the foothold and got momentum. And I went, yeah. Because now I got a word, so I got up in front of the people. I, mean, I felt like I had to say something. I was on the spot. I said, hey, I'm cheering with those guys. We wanted him to win. But sure didn't feel like that when I was watching it. And Chuck and Dutch and wasn't saying he's the man. They were just excited, okay, because this man's a Christian. You understand what I'm saying? So then one Sunday, I get up, and, and I'm going to the pulpit, and God says, 
I used John McCain to bring Sarah Palin on the scene. Okay. I knew that. You say, well, how'd you know that? Well, I was sitting in my house one day, and God says, you're going to Washington, D.C. I said, okay. He said, you got to go to Ohio first. So I called Terry. I said, look, we're going, but we got to go to Ohio. Why are we going to Ohio? I don't know. God said, we got to go to Ohio. So I tell them, and then all of a sudden on the news, it says John McCain is going to announce his vice president. Guess where? Ohio. I went. He said, go. So we go. Terry's with us. We go to this place. We have no idea who it's going to be. Okay. But God had spoke to me, and I had prophesied that he is going to reject Vashti and bring forth Esther. He said, that's the year. He said, I'm going to reject Vashti, Secretary of State now, if you need me to tell you who that is, and I'm going to bring forth Esther. So we're in there, and God said, I told you. And I went, oh, my gosh. Listen, I don't care what you think about it. When she stepped out, the anointing of God hit that place. People were weeping all over the building. I, I told Dutch, I said, she has the mantle without having the position. I called him after they lost the election. I said, she has the mantle without ha holding the position. He said, what does that mean? I said, I don't know. That's what God told me. You know, you know how, if you know Dutch, it ain't good enough. You got to tell me what. I said, okay. So I go back to God. I said, God, what does that mean? He said, David. He said, David was anointed to be king while there's already another king. See, God had give her a voice whether she had the position or not. That's what made people so mad. Hey, you're a nobody, and she has a voice, and she's a woman. They really didn't like that. And the people that hated it the most was the liberal women. <laughs> and you want to go, anyway. Now, listen, I'm going somewhere. We're building something, okay, because we're imparting And so I'm at a meeting in Washington, D.C., and, and I tell him, I said, look, I, this is what God spoke to me. God, McCain was going to win, but he told me this. I said, I'm just telling you, well, things prayed and we left. I said, God, I don't know. You said you'll tell the prophets. I got to know. And he said, Jeremiah 17, 3. So I went to Jeremiah 17, 3 and started reading from there, and it starts talking about the hearts of men looking to a man. And he said, this is what the nation wants. I'm going to give them a man. And so I called Dutton. I said, look, this is what's going to happen. John McCain got 173 electoral votes, 17-3. That, that, that's pretty precise. <laughs> are you understand what I'm saying? You say, well, where are you going with this? God is trying to show us you don't have to have the position to legislate government. To extend the kingdom. Are you with me? Now I'm not saying we don't want to put people there. Right? We want to put godly people there. But the issue is the church has got to start to legislate. To deal with those spirits. Because a lot of people we send to Washington. Have a good heart before they get there. It's like I tell somebody that night. People say well Washington's broken. Washington's not broken. Washington is corrupt. That's the bottom line is there's payoffs and all these buddy deals. That's why we're in debt. Even with the other nations, I mean, you've got to see that.
if you're going to go back and look at how God wants to do it, okay, and, and y'all can disagree, it's okay. Y'all deal with God on that. But when God gave Israel land, did they go in and whip them and then back off and say, no, we're going to give the land back to you. Y'all just put another leader in and the one that you did have in. No, they got in and took the land and redeemed the land and set up their government and that God was God. Are y'all with me? See, somewhere we've got to move back into this place where we understand that the foundation of America has to return to the godly principles. Not to any God, but to one God. So we have to position ourselves because we don't know what it looks like. Just like with Joshua. They didn't know what it looked like. They'd never done it before. Are you with me? You see, God, when he, when he found a father, he took land away from a disobedient son. He exposed his father, named Ham. Right? Took that from him, spoke a blessing over Abraham's daddy, grandpa, lineage. And so then he changed Abram's name to Abraham and gave him his land. See, God's into multiplication. It, it, it has to do with the talents when the one bears. See, God's way of doing things different than us. You hide your talent, and this one over here has ten. He'll take it from you and go give it to the one that has more because he's faithful over what he has. See, you're, you're in a critical time right now. I, I don't, I don't want to make you all feel too much pressure, but Woodward's in your hands. This region's in your hands. And you got a window to move into it. I, I have the freedom to prophesy it. I, I'm just going to tell you, mm, if you don't move into it, they ain't going to be here. I'm just telling you. Because what God has started in them, they're going to carry it. So if the people won't move in with it, they won't be able to stay. I'm just telling you what God's saying. So God gives you, how long will you have two opinions? Y'all going to think twice about bringing prophets in, ain't you? I'm telling you, sometimes you've you got to say things you don't want to say. I had to go to, I, I went to uh, Georgia and prophesied, and the, and the pastor got so mad at me. He was yelling at me. He said, don't you dare preach that. I said, okay. I said, is that the word of the Lord? Yes, it's the word of the Lord, but I don't want to hear it. I said, okay, I'll give you a nice 15-minute message in the morning, and I'll sit down. I gave him a 15-minute message, and I sat down. He didn't know what to do. He got up and went, uh, we've never got out this early before. Why? I was on assignment. I can't do it. That's who I am. He's no longer the pastor of that church. And that's what I told him. I said, God's saying, if you don't do this, you ain't going to be here. That was in a not-so-good way. This is not a bad thing. 
okay? It's just saying he loves them enough of what he's put in them. They're going to be forerunners, whether it's here or somewhere else. They're going to carry it. They've already moved into it. They, they've already went so far they can't get out of it now. <laughs> it's almost like God traps you, okay? So what I'm going to go into just for a few minutes is just a message about this, okay, that you're going to have to position yourself to see different. God's not mad at you because you hadn't saw it before. Are you with me? In, in Proverbs where it talks about if you don't have vision, you cast off restraint. That just doesn't mean the vision for the ministry or personal vision. That means if you can't see how God sees about where you're at, you'll cast off restraint and live for the moment. That's what America has done. We cast off restraint and live for the moment so we don't have inheritance for our children because we're too far in debt. We've done that as a church. We've done that as a nation. Why? Because we're living for the moment. We're living off credit. But I want to tell you, the church went there before our nation went there. And the church went there going... Hey, this world ain't going to be ours anyway. We're going to get out of here. And it's that mentality. Hey, let's live it up now because he's coming. We don't need to prepare for the future. We don't need to save up an inheritance for our children. We don't need to defeat these demons. Let's just put up with them and make everybody happy, and God will come get us out of this mess. Well, prayer got taken out of school. Abortion got legalized. We're still here. And we look back at the Jesus movement and go, man. What happened? That was a legitimate move of God. You know what happened? The church said, the governmental structure said, we don't want y'all. Y'all are hippies, you're smoking dope, you're weird, your music's crazy. This can't be God. And they're having meetings outside the church. And you know what? They were having encounters, but there was no discipleship, there was no sonship, there was no governmental authority because we didn't bring them into the structure. See, see, whether you like it or not, God is using the church to equip. It is the structure to bring the governmental authority to extend the kingdom. That's just the way it is. Doesn't matter whether you like it or not, that's God's plan. So you can't be effective in the kingdom if you're not connected to what God's doing in the church. You say, well, I don't need that. Me and Jesus got our own thing going, and you ain't got much. I'm telling you, you might have a big ministry, but it'll come down. And not only that, when you die, it's over. So how good was it? No inheritance, nothing passed to a son, nothing going on after you're gone. Just empty buildings. Till the next great speaker comes along, starts another church. See, we don't need another church. When God sent me back to Atoka, listen, I, I, I put in a structure because it's the only structure I knew. And I've been so fed up with it. I've been trying to leave that place for so long. I tried to give it to them. They wouldn't take it. I'm like, here, take it so I can leave. They said, you leave, we're going with you. I know what to do. I was trying to give it to Terry. Terry, uh-uh. She's kind of like, sugar, you ain't going nowhere. I'm like, you watch me. Why? Because I was trying to fit who I am okay, into this old structure. And I couldn't get in it. And I tell you, 
the word you gave me set me free. I'm telling you, I went back, and I'm telling you, our whole dynamic has shifted. Our financial situations have shifted. You know why? Because I shifted. You know why? I was trying to get out. Why? Because I got a call to the nations. Okay? And so prophets would come in, and, and they would prophesy about that apostolic fathering anointing in me for the nations. Okay? The prophet release to go and things I'm doing here. But also a father has to have a family, has to build. And so when, when the forerunner word came about John the Baptist, you, I don't know if you remember, I got it right here. I read it all the time. And I say, God, you said. Because, see, I didn't look at it as just her word. That's God's word. See, I come out here to preach to y'all, and God changes me. That's how good God is. That's how he does stuff. So I go back, and God says, I said, God, what is this? He said, it's both. I go, what? He said, you can't do what you're called to do in the nation if you don't build in Atoka. He said, Atoka's your humility. Why? Because a prophet is not without honor except where? See, that's where I did my drugs. That's where I did all that stuff. Well, you understand what I'm saying? That's where jail time and all this kind of, and I'm just like, God, I want to get away from that. But see, if you don't let God humble you, you can't be moved and used like that. Because your head will get so big around, you won't answer to nobody. We've seen those kind of ministers, and what happens? Boom, they fall. So you have to understand, when you really start to get in father and son relationship, it's not just a father speaking into a son. Sons will whittle away on fathers. That's the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes you got to go back to son and go, forgive me. <laughs> Sorry about that. So we've been passionate about going in a direction, and God's saying, I'm wanting to show you something. So look at this story real quick. Acts chapter 9. Then Saul, first one, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asking for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were on the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed and came near to Damascus, suddenly, everybody say suddenly, a light shone, and what happened? He fell to the ground and heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I mean, knows he just had an encounter. Watch this. He wasn't looking for an encounter. He wasn't begging for an encounter. Matter of fact, he was going the opposite direction from God as hard as he could go. But God wasn't looking at what he was doing. God was looking at his heart. See, you would see a rebel. God said, oh, I'm going to use this guy to reform. His heart was right. He just didn't know. He actually thought he was doing what was right. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He studied the law eight hours a day at the age of three. He knew the law inside and out. See, so many of us has been doing what we thought was right because that's all we knew. We didn't know anything else. Thank God for it because God will use that to get you to the next step. But he's about to encounter God and he don't even know it's God. 
Are you with me? So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because he said, why are you kicking against this? He goes, kicking against what? Who are, what? I didn't know it was you, Lord. You know, it's kind of like when I, I was in North Carolina and God spoke to me and said, return to the land of your father and deal with the sins of your past. And I said, I rebuke you, devil. Why? Because I was always taught your sin is forgiven. If your past comes up, ask the devil. And so I said, I rebuke you. And God said, quit rebuking me. And I go, I didn't know it was you. I mean, I'm freaking out. I'm having an encounter out on the golf course. I didn't know it was you. He said, Darren, you understand? I don't want to just forgive you. I want to restore to you what you lost in sin. He said, you got two boys that don't even know that you're their, his daddy. I said, God, I know that. I live with that every day. He said, I want to restore the relationships. So that's how good our daddy is. He don't want to just forgive you. He wants to give back to you what you lost when you were in your sin. That's good. But how many knows it was very painful for me to go back to where I come from? Because when you go back, you've got to deal with Esau. Come on, Jacob didn't want to go back. He didn't want to go back and deal with Esau. Why? Because Esau said, when daddy dies, I'm going to kill you for what you've done to me. So God says, go ahead and go back. Jacob, you're going to have to deal with him. Jacob's like, <laughs> I'm scared. And all of a sudden, God shows up and they have an encounter. Right? God shows up and he starts wrestling with him. And I, I see it like this. Jacob says, and he says, let me go. And he says, uh-uh. I got to face Esau. He's going to kill me. You better change me because I know I'm a deceiver. I'm a supplanter. I'm not letting you go. Are you with me? He said, I'll not let you go till you bless me. That word bless means till you change my identity. No longer can I live as Jacob. He said, I'm going to change you. And he changed him into Israel. Are, are you hearing me? He said, you'll have favor with God and man. He already had favor with God. You saw what was happening with his stock. Why do you think Esau shifted? I believe Esau was going to come and he was going to do exactly what he did till the encounter. The encounter shifted Esau, shifted Jacob. He was no longer Jacob. See, God spoke something to me one time and I never got it till I heard a prophet speaking. I'm the youngest of 13 kids. My family was so steeped in the Pentecostal religion, fear-based. Everything was about fear. Jacob raised two sons named Joseph and, anybody know the other one? Benjamin. He raised them as Israel, not Jacob. Oh, my gosh, I don't think y'all got that. See, when you change, then everything under you changes. And see, God had told me, he said, you're different than your brother's. See, my dad died when I was four. They were all raised underneath that, that belief system we talked about this morning. It was ingrained into them. And I used to look and go, God, how come I don't see it the way they see it? He said, because you wasn't raised underneath that. I didn't have to deal with all that. Even though I didn't have a dad, I, I was just the favorite. <laughs> I'm the youngest. I'm the favorite. That's Joseph walking around in coat of many colors. I'm the favorite. You don't like me? Why don't you like me? He's kind of like Alex. 
My daughter, Alex, she just walks around thinking the whole world was made just for her. <laughs> look at this. Verse, look at verse 12. In a vision, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he may receive his sight. Now, I want you to see this. Paul is blinded because he can't see what God wants him to see. In the midst of being blind, God shows him something that he couldn't see while his eyes were open. And shows him a man coming laying hands on him in the future that hadn't happened yet. And opening his eyes. So that he could see differently than what he presently saw at that time. But it was in the future. And at the same time, God's dealing with Ananias saying, go... And pray for this man named Saul because I've gave him an insight to his future that you're coming and this is what's going to happen. And Ananias is going, uh-uh, he kills people like me. I heard about Stephen. He was there. He puts people in jail like me. And God's kind of like, do you don't think I don't know that? He's saying, I've already talked to him and had discussion for him. I have mandated his life. I have called him. I've already talked to him about what he has to suffer for me. In other words, God talked in detail to Paul about his calling. Do you know God wants you to know your future? And he starts off with this showing him a guy that's going to come lay hands on him why he can't see. He's being led around. He can't see. He has to trust God that this guy's coming. See, God wants to give you insight about your future. Not about just your future. He wants you to see it the way he sees it. Can you imagine him talking to Paul? Paul's a Pharisee among Pharisees. He is a religious leader. And he's saying, Paul, I want to share some things with you. I am the Lord. To prove to you that, the Lord, you encountered me and I took your side away. Do I have your attention? You think you have your attention? Now, Paul, I, I, I'm not just the God of the Jews. I'm the God of the Gentiles, and I have called you, and I have mandated you. And I'm going to give you mysteries that nobody else on earth has ever heard of. We're not talking about the disciples that walked with Jesus. We're not talking about none of them. We're talking about ones that come against them and tried to kill them and was radically going the wrong direction and God says I've called that one you say well what does that mean you see young people that are freaking out and going wild and I see Saul's going to be changed into Paul's because you see I see God going I'm going to take that one I'm going to get this one encounters are coming encounters can change you like that in a moment of time Matter of fact, the worse they are, the better they'll be for God. Because they're so radical that way, they don't have any inhibitions when they get with God. They don't care what you think. I'll just be honest with you, they don't. And they ain't going to come to your socialized church services. If God's power don't show up, they ain't going to stay. You know why? Because they're encountering power out there. They're experiencing the demonic and the supernatural out there. They know it's real. The church is still struggling whether they even believe they exist or not. 
They know it's real. They see it. They operate in it. Are you understand what I'm saying? So God gives him an encounter that changes his whole world. Changes how he sees everything. Chose him and saying, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change you from Saul to Paul. Who do you think he was named after? What tribe's he from? It's from the tribe of Benjamin. Y'all remember another Saul in the Bible? So, guess who he was named after? That Saul. And God goes, that's attached to your identity. I'm going to break that off you. Because what Saul did was disobeyed and done his whole thing. I'm going to break that off you and I'm going to rename you. Your name's Paul. Paul means to stop. You think God stopped him? To stop and to see differently. <laughs> see, God's bringing us to a place in identity that it's not something we do, it's who we are. He said, I'm naming you Paul because this is who you are. You're stopped and you're going to see it different from this time forward. That's what an encounter does. Are, are you with me? See, we can't settle for a church service. We're looking for encounters. It don't have to be in the building. It can be driving down the road. It can be in a dream. It can be an envision. But God, encounters belong to me and I want them. Because you said if I'll seek. If I knock, it will. If I thirst, if I hunger. See, it's up to you. It's not up to God. You're here going, oh, God, I want one. Go get it. Expect it. Look for it. It's like Sheila. She always thinks a party's for her. If there's a party going on or if you come up to the house, there's lots of cars, she thinks, oh, the surprise party for me. See, you ought to get where you just expect God to show up. I expect dreams. I expect visions. I ex Why? Because I'm his son and it belongs to me. So all of a sudden, Paul's so shifted and he has, is given the greatest mystery that God is the God of everybody. Can you imagine that? And this is what he says when he's preaching this message. When God gave this to me, I didn't even go talk to the disciples, the apostles of the day about it. He said, I got this from Jesus Christ himself. Oh, you arrogant thing. You know why he could be arrogant? Because he said, I don't come to you with elegant speech. I come in demonstration of power of what I carry. It's who I am. It's not what I do. It's who I am. And who I am gets released wherever I go. So I might be boring and you fall out of the window and I'll raise you from the dead. That's what he did. That's why he could confront Peter face to face. And say, Peter, you're a hypocrite. When you're around me, everything's cool when you're around the Gentiles. And yeah, he's their God. Then you get away and you get around these Jews and you don't want to do that. Peter, that's wrong. You can't do that. That's kind of bold, isn't it? Why could he do that? Because Paul was sure of who he was. Why? He got it from God. He didn't get it from somebody preaching it. God mandated his life, and he saw differently. And that same passion that he had in the wrong direction, now he had in the right direction. See, God wants to give you where you can see the way he sees. 
And that only happens one way. face to face that's what happened with Jacob he had a face to face encounter that's what happened with Moses that's why Moses could be so bold he was face to face with God what he was encountering what God was saying right here see that's where your identity comes from when God sets who you are nobody else gets to vote it doesn't matter whether people like it or they don't like it it's who you are and who you are wherever you go comes out whether you preach or not. See, the issue is if you're carrying it and you show up at your job, it's going to come out. Whatever you're doing in government, it's going to come out. You'll hear about that tomorrow in the morning service. A whole other message about identity, about who you are, just starts to come out, whether you want it to or not. You can't keep from it because that's who you are. Are you there? He gives him this vision. In Acts 9, 15, look what he says. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. See, we think he was just called to the Gentiles. He was called to preach to them, but he also told his own people. He said, Look, this gospel is for them too. How many knows at that time they didn't like that? But the issue is, how did Paul go through what he went through? So y'all don't understand, I, I'm, I'm actually trying to position you for what you're about to go through. I'm sorry, but I'm just telling you. There's a storm coming. But justice is going to be served in the storm if you won't run. Because God has a mandate on this church. And he's saying, how long are you going to have two opinions? Are you, going to, are you here for me or are you here for you? Like I said, they've already went too far. I mean, they can't, they can't get out of it now. The only way they get to get out is if you choose not to go, and then God will position them where they need to be. He couldn't get out of it. God mandated him. God chose him. He said, here you go. And once he saw it, then he couldn't unsee it. He couldn't go back to what he was doing because now he saw something totally different. He realized, oh, man, that's God. As this starts happening, God starts confirming it as, God, as Paul starts declaring it. Let me say that again. <clears throat> Understand, even though he's putting this on you, the whole responsibility is not on, just on you for it to happen here. When you start to move into it and release it, it'll start happening out there. Peter has a vision. And he sees this stuff come down. It's food. It's unclean. And God says, eat. And Peter says, God forbid I ain't eating that. He said, don't you call unclean what I call clean. And remember the guys come to him. He sees them in the vision. He said, go with them. Peter's a Jew. He don't know the gospels for the Gentiles. He goes to a Gentile's house named Cornelius. Okay? Cornelius has a vision about him coming to the house. 
Now, I want to show you how God does things. He will mess up your order, whether you like it or not. Because in that day, you had to what? Pray, confess, be baptized, and then get filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the way they did things. Repent, be baptized with water, and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how they wanted to lay it out. He goes to Cornelius' house, and he starts talking. Bam! The Holy Spirit falls on them and fills them with the Spirit before they get baptized with water. I'm sure Peter going, wait a minute, this is, a, you can't, God, you can't do that. That's not the way you did it to us, God. But you understand, God don't answer to your order. But he has a Paul that's getting ready to declare this gospel of what he's already orchestrating. That this gospel's for the Gentiles as well. Paul's a forerunner. He's a forerunner bringing this great mystery that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And while one sect of people hated it, the other sect of people was going, oh, my gosh. But we have to understand, is that in prophecy? Absolutely. Isaiah prophesies it. He come to his own and they rejected, but he don't understand that that is part of the plan that's going to be opened up to the Gentiles. And ones that don't know you are going to come in. Paul is fulfilling destiny and don't even know it. But he's given him a mandate because now he can see something that he couldn't presently see. And so he's preparing for this. He starts to do this. <clears throat> he spends time with God. Barnabas, a father. Everybody say, a father. Grabs a hold of him. You know why? Because the apostles were afraid of him. They said, we know him. He'll kill us. He said, no, 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 no. He's had an encounter. And a father, watch this, a father was willing to take a chance on a radical. See, God's not looking for the religious for you to father. He's looking for the radical to father. See, the religious go, I don't need that. I don't want that. That's okay. I'll go get me a radical. Because the bottom line is, if you don't want it, you ain't going to do nothing anyway. Are you Listen, I'm not being rude. I'm just saying... God says his eyes look to and fro on the earth. Someone, he can show himself strong on their behalf, that their heart is upright before him. What? That they can see what God sees. God doesn't see a drug addict. God sees them through the blood, and they're a son. And God says, go get that son. No, God, he kills people like me. I've already dealt with him. If I told you to go get him, he's ready. Go get him. See, the very ones you're scared of is the one God's his mark and say, go get them. And they'll be so loyal because they know what it's like on that side. And when transformation comes and encounters come, whoo, you're talking about some sons. They will fight for daddy at the gates, Psalms 127. They will be arrows in your hand. But the issue is you will suffer persecution they will talk about you. They'll say you're running drugs through your church. They'll say all things about you because of the ones that will come through those doors. How long will you have two opinions? Because when the fire comes, and it's already been kindled, 
Those are the ones that's coming. What you going to do with them? Well, God, they don't fit in the family. Really? They fit in his family. You'll say, how can you say that? Because I is one. At that time when this was going on, I was in the biggest drug bus in the, in the nation. I made national news. I was connected with the Banditos. Had two hits out on my life. See how I can relate to Paul? <laughs> you say, what happened? I had an encounter on our team to come up. Our prophetic team and the praise and worship team. I had an encounter with God. You say, how'd you have the encounter? I wasn't looking for it. Do you understand? He's the initiator, not you. All he needs from you is your heart just to be positioned. That's it. He just needs for you to get to a place that you say, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And I'll be honest with you, guys. I don't want to do church. The way America does church, I don't want to go. If you go to India with me, you won't even want to come back to America and preach. It's ridiculous. You can get up and say, God loves you, and a thousand people are, are there. And you start praying, and blind eyes come open, deaf ears come open, people that never talk start speaking, bones start popping and cracking. While you're preaching, God forbid. And he don't even have to have you to lay hands on them. You know why? Because they're desperate. And they will not leave. They'll walk to get there, and they won't leave. they got to get you out of there. The church I was in having 22 services on Sunday morning and can't handle the people. The harvest is ready. But the issue is they ain't going to stay in a church. Not the American church. They got to be connected to a family that then understands the governmental structure. God builds the church. And then we extend the kingdom with sons and daughters. If want to was enough, you'd have already changed. It's not the issue of want to. It's the issue of positioning your heart. God, you've got to do it. I can't. Because we have experiences that lie to us. We have hurts and pains that remind us of when God didn't come through for us. God, if that's you, I don't want nothing to do with you. That's been our experiences. See, you got to be able to see the way he sees. He sees in a whole bigger realm than you see. And sometimes when you don't understand what his hands are doing, you got to trust what his heart is doing. You see, when Sheila died, we raised her from the dead. Great. Awesome. Thank God she's here with me. But I lost my son. See, that was a baby in the womb. You understand what I'm saying? That don't make sense to me. 
It don't make sense to me why my dad had to die when I was four years old. But this is what God said to me. He said, Darren, you are who you are because he died at four. And I went, I don't understand that, God. Until he gave me the revelation of Jacob turning to be Israel. The reason I had the freedom I had is because my dad wasn't here, not because he was. Are you understand what I'm saying? The reason I carry the sonship message is because I didn't have a father, and that's what pushed me into going after God to say, Father me. He's a father to the fatherless and positioned me for those encounters. I was going hard in the wrong direction, but my heart was right. I wanted God. I just didn't know how to get to him. But I didn't want the God I was seeing in church. I didn't want that God. Because they'd preach one thing and live something else. So I want to show you the audacity of my God. Coming down off crank, that's when God decides to deal with me and give me an encounter. And all I said was, God, I'm tired of living like this. If you're real, show me. I knew he was real. I mean, I, I got hit with a golf club and broke all this, messed my eye up, and he healed me completely. My, dad, my brother was clinically dead for 12 hours. and God, I was raised with miracle signs and wonders. Miracle signs and wonders won't give you a relationship with God. They're just a signboard that he's real. But I'm telling you, that day he manifested his glory in my bedroom. And that day he wasn't my mama's God. He wasn't the church's God. He left the 99 and come after me. And all of a sudden, he became personal to me. I didn't know what to do. Hopefully, you don't either. I tell people all the time, I don't know how to pastor. And if I did, you wouldn't want to follow me. Because I'd be doing it after. I have to position myself. If God don't speak, I don't know what to do. So how do I get an encounter? How do I see differently? How do I see what God sees? You just have to position yourself to say, God, I want it. And my want to ain't enough, God, so you're the one that has to do it. You may be in the place that you say, I don't want to, but I want to want to. Most of us are afraid of what God will ask us to do. We're for, God, you're going to ask me to give up something. Those are called idols. They're lying vanities. They promise you something they can never give you. Do you understand? He's the one that created you and made you, so whatever he calls you to do, that's where your joy and peace and everything's going to come from. That's where it comes from. The very thing you're fighting against is the peace and joy that he has for you. You're sabotaging it. Why? You're afraid. But when you just go, all right, I'm done. He can go, thank you for dying. Now I can give you an encounter. Now I can show you. That's why so many of us are stubborn and hard-headed. He has to speak to us at night when we're asleep. 